So hello, we'd like to welcome Hanjo Panther Deerfield onto our Shangri-La Art Podcast. He is an artist and researcher. Welcome, Hanja. Thank you so much. Thank you. And what a unique name. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every, you know, everybody uh, to whom I've mentioned you before and, you know, share with them your name, they've all been like, is that his real name? <laughs> so is it your real name? For yeah, well, it's... <laughs> It is actually a portion of my real name. My real name is longer. It's Hunter Panther Deerfield Cummingshaw is my real name. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, because we are on audio, right? So we can't see each other's faces. So I think I should describe that you are Asian American, right? Uh, yeah. Is that correct? I, well, I'm... Well, here's I'm a quarter. <laughs> my 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 grandmother is Japanese, okay. so does twenty five percent make me Asian American? I don't know. Mm. I've never necessarily identified as Asian American, right. but I perhaps could identify as Asian American. Mm. I don't know. Is that important? You think? Well, uh, you know, I grew up in Vermont in the U.S., which is the second whitest state, and my father is mm. half Japanese, mm -hmm. and I always thought of him as white even though he's very obviously not white <laughs> just because everyone i knew was white so yeah. i like have no you know only when coming to singapore i, I went to school in singapore for four mm. years mm. did people start saying hey are, are you part asian and it really shocked me that they could mm. tell mm. okay but that's that must have some uh kind of uh how do you say effect when you are here in Asia working on your research, you know, when you meet artists, is that a factor as well? Well, I, I think I look vaguely Eurasian. Mm -hmm. So I, I think another help, helpful factor is I'm, I'm quite short for an American. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like eye level to most <laughs> Southeast Asians. So I think that's a good thing. <laughs> So, so it's it's friendlier. You're friendlier. Yeah, yeah, it's friendlier. Yeah. yeah. I actually had a a taxi driver in Singapore. He said, "Oh, where are you from?" And I said, "Oh, I'm uh, from America." And he said, "You're not from America. You're too short. <laughs> you can't be." Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But but seriously speaking, I mean, uh, I've also you know for many years been doing some sort of research you know for the curatorial work that I do around Southeast Asia right, and Asia and especially in Southeast Asia and especially in uh, remote more remote places that you also do a lot of work in you know like uh, in central Vietnam you know places like that I find and even artists told me this before that they trust me more because I am Asian or Southeast Asian, you know. So I think it does help that you do look like Asian, part, part, <laughs> part Asian, yeah. you know. Do you think so? Have they told you this? Uh, geez, I don't know if they've... I think I obviously look like a foreigner. Mm. No one is imagining that I'm a local, mm. but... Uh, I think that I think I look a bit odd. Like I have long uh, hair. Mm. I wear bright colored clothes. <laughs> so I think by looking a bit strange, mm. I think 
I don't know. People seem to be very amused by me. People seem to sort of smile a lot around me when they meet me, which I take as a good sign. So maybe that helps. Yeah, opening up to you maybe a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So tell us a bit more about the research, this thing called Kirti that you have been working on for quite a number of years. Well, yeah, about two years now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Super quickly, uh, I was going to school in Singapore at uh, Yale and US. Mm -hmm. And after graduating, I wanted to stay in the region Mm -hmm. and just spend a couple of years between maybe getting a master's or or moving on with my life just in the region. And I was going to move to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And when I went to Vietnam and I started meeting uh, artists in Vietnam through actually Andrea Pham from the Singapore Museum very Mm -hmm. kindly introduced me to some people there, I realized that there's a lot of artists Mm -hmm. in Vietnam and in Southeast Asia. Contemporary art is really sort of coming up, but there aren't a lot of... Uh, spaces for work to be shown. Of course, there are museums and galleries in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are less museums and galleries in Vietnam and in, you know in in other Southeast Asian countries. But there seems to be even less publications mm-hmm. and specifically uh, experimental visual publications. Um, I'm not talking about academic publications like mm-hmm. Southeast of Now or Art Asia Pacific, mm-hmm. but I, I, I was, um, yeah, it was quite noticeable that there didn't really seem to be visual printed matter that showed contemporary artists working now in, you know, an energetic, uh, lively type of way. And so basically I just started meeting artists and collecting material, taking pictures, asking to borrow photos they had themselves and very organically. Yeah. Just continuing to meet artists through their friends, through their colleagues, um, and started doing interviews and just started getting all of this material. Mm. And the plan initially was to find some type of sponsor, some type of foundation or some type of publisher and start releasing these experimental publications, looking at contemporary art in Southeast Asia from sort of a ground level Mm. perspective. Mm. Um, and do, do you, yeah. do you specifically, like, do you choose specific kinds of artists or art forms in doing your research or how do you meet them? You know, because you met quite a lot of artists, you know, by yeah, now. So, yeah. Yeah. So when I started out, I realized people are so open, people mm. are so friendly, people are so happy to introduce you to their buddies and the art scenes are are quite small. Most everyone knows each other. Mm. Um, but they are also sometimes quite siloed. So you have mm. artists from different generations and also artists from different cities mm. and also artists from different disciplines like conceptual artists versus painters. Sometimes they uh, yeah, are a bit separate from each other. And of course, factions spring up, cliques spring up. And uh, what What's really important to me is having a very open ethos to the project and Mm. essentially meeting anyone and everyone and asking whoever I met, hey, you know, who else should I meet? Who of your friends should I meet? And then going to meet them. So really at the height of my travels, 
I would meet like six people a day, every single day, mm -hmm. and then fly to a new city. And it was just like mad, you know, dash of meeting, you know, 30, 40 people a week um, mm -hmm. and trying to sort of get a sense of, oh, these are the different, you know, hierarchies in the city. These are the, the older established artists. These are the younger artists on the come up. Um, but then I started meeting people outside of the, you know, mainstream contemporary art scene, such mm -hmm. as photojournalists, mm -hmm. such as more uh, craft, traditional based artists that sometimes wouldn't be considered contemporary because they're, they're using a, you know, a more uh, traditional idiom. And it felt important to, to include them as well and, 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 and have the project be more like give the sense of a landscape of the art scene of a place as it is now. Mm. So if I had to, if you had to describe how this publication looks, right, you say it's experimental and you're, you're meeting all these people and you're collating this information, how does it manifest on a page? Yeah, so that has been the big uh, issue. So the, about the first year, and I think, Kai, I met mm. you like two months into the project, mm -hmm. so really at the beginning. Mm. Uh, what I was doing is I was meeting artists, taking pictures, printing out their pictures at a print shop mm. and taping them into a fashion magazine mm. <laughs> as like a dummy copy <laughs> to show artists that I was trying to make a book that included work because many of the yeah. artists I met didn't speak English yeah. or spoke limited English. So I couldn't really communicate. It was a lot of pantomiming, pointing mm. at a book. And so the book was very like surrealist, a lot of yeah. just work collage together yeah. in an existing book i have to and, i have to chime in here you know like it was amazing the books <laughs> that i saw right and hunter was pasting these pictures over fashion photos from like vogue magazine or like something like that you know and i thought there was like shit this is amazing if it could come out truly this way you know like you know, they, they were, your mock-up books were like works of art in itself. You know, I've never yeah. seen you know, anybody do that. It was really amazing. Yeah, I actually met, um, I met with Rirkrit Tiravania, the Thai mm -hmm. artist, yeah. and was showing him the books. And I was saying like, who should I be looking at? And he, mm -hmm. he, he said Dieter Roth, who's mm -hmm. a Swiss uh, artist who works with books. But yeah, like that process... And that sort of energetic sort of uh, uh, collage, surrealist, uh, just throwing things together is, you know, important to the project. And then Kai mm. uh, invited me very kindly, very generously to show my project last uh, October mm. in Paris. Uh, and that sort of gave me the impetus to start working with some graphic designers mm. uh, to put together a prototype of a of a bigger publication mm -hmm. uh, to start showing to some museums and the short stories uh, start showing to some foundations to try to take the next step and, and, and get some funding and, 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 you know, publish this at, at, at a, a bigger scale. And the book that I put together, which mm -hmm. Kai has a copy of, mm -hmm. I only made uh, five editions of because wow. it was so expensive to print up it was just a prototype but mm. it was 300 pages mm. and it was working with this designer uh and there was a lot of time crunches and there was a lot of you know i'd never worked on a book before so a lot of uh difficulty with communication and mm. ultimately what i showed in paris and what i showed to some museums 
over in the West uh, was very, very rough and ready. Mm-hmm. And I realized, uh, Deborah, to, to, to your point, mm-hmm. that it didn't really get across. I didn't know how I wanted things to fit together. Mm-hmm. And the, this prototype, it was evident that I didn't know how I wanted things to fit together. It was evident there was a lot of interesting material mm-hmm. and a lot of things going on, but you know, not being a graphic designer by training, not being a designer of, of any form by training, I that was sort of new territory. And uh, actually, uh, one of the people I, I sat down with in February, but before COVID uh, lockdown, was uh, the director of the Magnum Foundation, which mm. is a, a photography foundation uh, nice. in, based out of New York. And she seemed very supportive of the project, uh, Susan Mizellis, who's a mm. photo, photojournalist. And yet she said, you know, if you want to get this published, if you want to get support, you really need to think more seriously about how the the material sits together and so actually for the past six seven months you know i'm in hanoi Mm. uh right now vietnam in covid lockdown i can't leave Mm -hmm. uh what i've been doing is i've been teaching myself design a graphic design Mm -hmm. and i've been uh migrating all of the content i have from this big thick book into a very cheap very uh portable, very flexible uh, mini publication series, mm-hmm. which is just using A4 printer paper nice. that can be found anywhere and uh, stapling it vertically through the center and folding it mm-hmm. and being able to just sort of print up very small edition uh, iterations of a publication and give them out to people and get feedback and change it and print it up again. Mm-hmm. So right now it's a very like lean, very flexible, small scale, something I can just print up, you know, in my living room right. in, you know, a couple copies and then change later and then reprint up. Wow. Mm. So it sounds as if even the process of development is beca- is is almost a collective effort because you're you're also getting feedback as you're developing and evolving it. And it's reminding me also of of the idea of Xerox or like faxing, you know, like mass dissemination but also a way of quickly transforming information and channeling that to people. Yeah, so and someone I wasn't aware of when I started the project, but was brought to my attention is actually a, a curator researcher named Seth Siegelub, who I think was the eighties had a project mm. called the Xerox book mm. where he asked different artists to just submit material that was then Xeroxed in this big book that was then given out and people could Xerox themselves and sort of create their own edition. Mm. But uh, yeah, I do think the project has affinities to that and, and, you know, I am trying to create something as, uh, yeah. I, I don't want I don't want it to be a big coffee table book that costs mm-hmm. you know eighty dollars and you know you can't bring in a backpack because it's so heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want it to be somehow reflective of this of the scene uh, as it is in 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 you know, most of the Southeast Asian countries, which is really, uh, you know, 
bottom up, ground level, uh, not a lot of funding, not a lot of support, um, but sort of making do with what's, you know, around. Mm. You know, one of the things that uh, I was impressed by, you know, in your work is you, you know, like the, the, the resilience that you have, you know, and to, to continually meet people, you know, meet strangers actually, uh, and then to keep improving the presentation of it, of uh, the project. I know that last year in uh, Paris, you ha- had made the, the, the mock-ups, but you also quickly made a website, which I really love, you know, that website. And then you were still hunting down people to meet, to support you and to help you find uh, the platform, the right platform to publish this, right? You know, not many young artists or researchers I've met these days have that kind of resilience, you know. Where do you think you get that from? <laughs> well, well that's, yeah. Thank you, Kai. That's sort of a, yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I guess to give some context, I'm 24. Mm. Uh, so I feel quite old, actually. <laughs> but uh, uh, I was homeschooled. I think that's, mm. you know, as everyone who's talked to me sort of knows, I was homeschooled as a kid, I, uh, which is a type of education where you, for those who don't know, you don't go to school, you stay at home, mm. and you sort of learn with help from your parents, but mostly by yourself. And so I think that really instilled in me, you know, the desire and the wherewithal to just work on uh, my own types of projects. But, but, but Kai, actually mm. to, to your point about meeting lots of different people, mm. um, I, I'd like to add that, you know, I think the first part of the project was really, uh, characterized by a tremendous amount of meetings like uh the desire to meet as many people Mm. in it you know as possible and as many people in quote unquote important types of positions Mm. and it really was a turning point i would say getting that uh prototype together getting the website together showing at asia now Mm. uh in paris with you kai um but then there was this shift where uh, I was I was lucky enough after Paris to to go to London. I mm-hmm. met with uh, Hans Ulrich Obrist, who's a who's a Swiss curator in London, mm-hmm. and he was very supportive. And he introduced me to uh, the Guggenheim, some people from the Guggenheim and from MoMA Museum and some mm-hmm. foundations back in New York. And and when I met with them at the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. I showed them what I had, mm-hmm. and honestly, most were. Uh, friendly and enthusiastic, but sort of unwilling or unable to really help out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I suppose I was too young or mm-hmm. I was too much of an unknown quantity mm-hmm. or the project was too broad or too mm-hmm. vague. And they were... Yeah, they they sort of gave the impression of like keep working on this, <laughs> and we'd love to see what it becomes. Right. Um, but I had the feeling that it wasn't the right time or the right place, and so mm. I really, uh, you know, 
over the course of this year, which of course has been helped by COVID, mm -hmm. uh, funnily enough, really have shifted into trying to be less outward focused mm. and be more of a, like an incubation period where I really work out uh, my position on a number of issues. Uh, I really work out uh, the direction in a more meaningful way. And Deborah, to get back to what you had said, to really work out the format of uh you know, the, the, the nitty gritty of actually how things are fitting together. Right. And of course, what that says by, mm -hmm. you know, how it's fitting together. Mm -hmm. um, and can I, I ask I you, um, do you have yeah. a way of assembling all this information as a kind of archive or storage? Um, is, is it a reflection of how your, your brain works and you're categorizing things? Or is it all way more organic than that? And there isn't really a system? Well, yeah, that's that's something that I've gone through a lot of iterations uh, of opinions on. Initially, I wanted it to be sort of based on visual uh, correspondence between artists, or or actually intentionally trying to um, contrast uh, different artists from different generations or from different disciplines and really stick them together. Uh, I actually have met and have material from non-artists like academics, anthropologists, scholars, people working in the UN, you know, uh, and, and want to fold this non-art material into the publication. And so there was an idea of putting, you know, artists by theme or by topic or by, uh, you know, some type of coherent um, point. But where I am right now, with these very small little, uh, you know, copy paper booklets that I'm printing out on just the copier at home is, I don't know, I've been looking at a lot of uh, publications in the past and a lot of uh, art books and experimental things in the past and, and, and a publication that I'm quite, uh, or a publication series I'm quite enamored by is... Um, Caroline Christoph Barkakiev's Documenta 13, 100 Notes, 100 Thoughts, which is really a hundred series, a hundred very small publications, mm. each one on a different artist and or on a different, you know, theme. Mm -hmm. And so right now that seems like the best format given I'm working with a small printer at home. So each artist is really printed out separately, stapled together, mm. and then I can give a curator I'm meeting like four or five different booklets in a, in a bundle, but each one is sort of separated. Do you, do you see yourself, you know, as uh, an extension or expansion of this project, you know, to say curate, you know, small shows uh, or shows uh, with the artists that you've met, for example, or write, uh, separate pieces about them, you know, like like independent pieces, mm -hmm. or you know, like like parallel to this publication that you're working on. Have you ever yeah. thought of that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, uh, to be to be very honest, um, I've had a tremendous amount of support throughout this whole process from curators and from art, most you know, from artists, overwhelmingly so, from curators. Mm -hmm. Uh, like yourself, uh, but I also have gotten a lot of critical uh, feedback from 
mostly curators, um, you know, saying you're not from around here, you don't speak the lingo, you know, I didn't go to art school. So I, oh, I actually, I did, I did six months at art school, but <laughs> I, I'm not really a, you know, a, a scholar in contemporary art. Mm. I don't know the region. Mm. I don't know the, the, the context. And so they've been made it very clear to me that I, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. I, where I am now wouldn't, if there was an invitation or if there was mm. some way to work with an organization or with a, a gallery or a museum or another curator to, to, put something together, mm. I would be open to that. Mm. But do I see myself leading this? Do I see myself becoming more of a, a, of a curator for physical spaces? Uh, not necessarily, mm. not particularly. Right. And, and also, and this is one of the issues of the project. Uh, I've been very care or I have learned to become very careful about how I frame this. And the way I'm framing it now is not actually about Southeast Asian art. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm framing it as a project on contemporary art. Mm -hmm. uh, and just all the artists happen to be from the region. Mm -hmm. But I um, am careful about, I, I'm not trying to give anyone the impression that I'm a scholar on mm -hmm. Southeast Asia, right. or I am trying to represent, quote unquote, the region, or these are the artists of import from such and such countries. I don't want any of that mm -hmm. pressure or liability. Uh, yeah. Mm. Could you tell me, you've met so many people. What's one of the more transformative conversations that you've had that has kind of affected your worldview even? Huh. <laughs> Sorry, you must have been speaking to so many people <laughs> to sift through that. Well, I'll answer that, but I'll also... This wasn't a particularly transformative conversation, but it was an, an interesting conversation that you and the audience might find curious. Okay. Uh, I met with this lady uh, at MoMA in February, and she works for their sort of internal uh, knowledge gathering uh, division called CMAP. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, she said, Hunter, the work you're doing on Southeast Asia is very interesting uh, because I asked her, like, what foundations should I turn to for support? And she said, I'll tell you a story. Uh, a friend of hers is a Syrian uh, refugee, contemporary artist working mm. in London. Mm. And she said he wasn't a particularly famous or, or well-known artist, but, you know, he was an artist working in London. And he posted on his Facebook uh, status mm. saying you know, the civil war in Syria, contemporary art is really being lost there. All the artists are, you know, diasporic. Mm. It would be amazing if there was some sort of experiment, if there's some sort of archive or, or, or database or publication showing contemporary art from the region, from, from Syria. And somehow a guy from the, uh, I think it was Ford Foundation, saw this mm. artist's Facebook status and wrote him a check for a million dollars to do this. <laughs> and, what, and what she said is that all the foundations in New York have been lining up to give this guy and give this new organization money. And what she said to me very bluntly is she said, from the MoMA's point of view, or from the West's, mm. I don't know whose point of view it is, but what she said <laughs> is, Southeast Asia isn't really now. 
The Middle East is now. Syria is now. Southeast Asia is going to be in like a couple of years. So like, which of course is a, a, a troubling and sort of weird, but you know, that's the reality that I am coming up against over there. The sense that like, you're doing something cool and we're going to want to cycle back to you in the year or you know, next when the money's moved over there, the interest, but you know, that's the future, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it is troubling indeed, you know, like thinking about it. Um. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, yeah. gi- given that uh, in the West, there are many, I think migrants from, various places in Southeast Asia, you know. But of course, you know, from somewhere from the Middle East, you know, uh, if we look at media, it is always on the news, you know. It is always out there, but not as much uh, news coming from us, uh, from Southeast Asia, I guess. Yeah, would you think that would be the reason why it, it isn't the focus right now? Or do you have any clue as to what people have said to lead to that conclusion? Uh, are you asking me or Kai? Um, you. <laughs> from, uh, from speaking to people. From speaking to people. Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess uh, I, I think that the, the vibe I've got in is that, you know, the, the, the news and the attention is where things are, you know, catastrophically going south uh so the middle east and you know people there seemed to be a lot of support for southeast asia i think like well you know that's hard to say but of course people were very interested in vietnam Mm. you know americans were very interested in vietnam post the vietnam war Mm -hmm. or the american war of aggression as they call it here Mm. um and i think things have been i think the region's somewhat quiet comparatively or that's the sense outsiders get Mm. like there aren't any huge wars going on Mm. there aren't any huge so i think that's why people aren't so So i don't know they can't play the role of the savior (laughs) well i also think that all the big southeast asian there already are established southeast asian contemporary artists Mm -hmm. they are just living in the west or They are, you know, they grew up or studied in the West and they've returned to Southeast Asia and they're in the Biennales and they're, mm. they're, they are that, I don't want to say token, mm. but perhaps it is token Southeast Asian. So I don't know, maybe there's a feeling that there already is that representation to, 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 the, to the minimum. Mm. Okay. No, no, Kai. I I, yeah. I I have one last thing, one last uh, opinion of you to ask. You know, one of the things I get asked a lot, you know, by young people like you, <laughs> you're not old, but <laughs> default. <laughs> yeah, you got kind. But no, but but <laughs> but I I feel I feel good, you know, hearing you say you're 24 and you feel old because you know I have a lot of. Uh, people your age are even older than you telling me, oh, I'm still young. I have a lot of time, you know, I can. But anyway, uh, these pe- the younger uh, people who are interested, you know, in the arts and particularly to become curators, for example, you know, they ask me, what is it 
that I need to have to be a good curator. And of course, you know, aside from the usual uh, reading up on art history, you know, knowing the art and la la la, I would tell them that the most important thing to me to be a good curator is life experience. And I want to hear from you, like your opinion of this, because you have just in the past two years doing this, I think you met the best of the best. You met superstars of the art world. You know, you spoke with them, you had meetings with them. And then you yourself go through a lot, you know, with your own funding, nevertheless, you know, not you're not yet funded by anyone. Even when we did the project in Paris, yes, our gallery kind of staged it and provided you with the platform, but you had to fly over to Paris yourself, you know, and fund yourself. So, you know, a lot of independence from you, a lot of uh, resilience, like I said earlier. Maybe you can comment, you know, on my opinion on the need for life experience, you know, to be a better curator or researcher or editor, or, you know, someone who is looking at other artists and wanting to represent them in a form or another. Yeah, I, I would agree with what, well, yeah, Kai, <laughs> I, I'd agree with that. I, I, you know, I've progressed a huge amount, mostly through just failing and failing and failing and failing mm-hmm. and changing, you know, changing up and, and that incredible learning process. But I would add one thing, mm-hmm. at least in my case, what's benefited me the most, at least initially when I didn't have that life experience mm-hmm. um, and really just got me so far mm-hmm. is um, uh, how do I say this? <laughs> I suppose is humility. And mm. that maybe sounds a bit like braggadocious to say <laughs> humility. <laughs> But, but really just like meeting people and, you know, very earnestly trying to, no, not trying to, very earnestly being, hey, I am very curious about what it is you're doing. Mm. I am not an expert. Mm. I'm not here to tell you what you're doing or how you should frame it or, or anything, but being just very open and very enthusiastic mm. and, uh, yeah, just being sort of sensitive and, and conscientious to the person that you're meeting with. Like, it's astounding to me how many curators mm-hmm. I've met mm-hmm. that definitely have some type of uh, ego, you know, thing going on mm-hmm. and seeing them interacting with artists and seeing how uncomfortable the artists are almost or how, mm-hmm. like, at like a, a bit of a, you know cautious or a bit guarded mm-hmm. and that type of dynamic doesn't seem productive to me or doesn't seem uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's really really good the thank openness you openness yeah. and the ability to ask questions i think um, <laughs> yeah really fantastic yeah. thank yeah. you so much hunter for coming on the podcast with us yeah yeah thank you so much safe and you know be in touch i'm sure (laughs) yeah each other really really and good luck with it as it evolves i'm excited to hear what it becomes yeah and well i'm hoping to come through singapore as soon as uh, things open up meanwhile the website is still live right yeah the website's still live it is a bit outdated and i'm actually trying to 
re-transform it into something else. But yeah, mm-hmm. people can go check the website to see. Can you tell us the website? website? What is the yeah. website? Uh, uh, okay, so <laughs> www.kirti, which is K-I-R-T-I, dash project.com. So kirti-project.com. Perfect. Cool. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Great speaking with you. All right. Thank okay. you. Yeah, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.